Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let's say you, Richard Ellick Murdoch, are you guilty or not guilty of the felonies wherein you stand and die? Not guilty. How shall you be tried? By God and my country. The exact time when Paul and Maggie Murdoch were murdered. At the end of the investigation, it was obvious. I'm not here to work with them. Okay. And the whole point is to have this not fall into the wrong hands. This case is unique, it's unprecedented in South Carolina history. A good fam, a good family, and I love working there. And I'm sorry all this happened. Get good people, you know. What you just heard was the emotional testimony of the a caretaker for Alec Murdoch's mother, and that was what the jury heard tonight. Now it's or today. Now. We are going to break down that as well as what happened when the jury was not mm -hmm. um, in uh, the room. There was a lot that, that a lot. unfolded there. And I have with me our exclusive legal analyst, Charlie Condon, South Carolina's former attorney general, and on camera tonight, hey, our executive hey, hey. producer, Drew Tripp. Drumroll. And of course, if you just heard the door open... Our crew's walking in the door. We got Tara Jabor and Sam Griswold back there and leading the production tonight as um, per the usual uh, production. Uh, we've Guru got Max Ma Harrison. Exactly. Maxwell Harrison is back there um, helping us get all of this together for you guys. Um, and tonight we're going to start off with what the jury actually mm -hmm. heard about, and that was Shelly Smith the Murdoch's caretaker for the mom, Libby Murdoch, who, uh, from what we understand, what we've been told, has um, uh, a, some form of Alzheimer's and needs that overnight care. So this was the house, or the caretaker, Shelly Smith, who was hired to stay overnight. And, and she, stayed, she stayed overnight with Libby Murdoch from... 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. She says she saw Alec Murdoch the night of the murders. She says that, um, described him as fidgety um, when he came in. But it wasn't that that she was upset about it. It was what he said a little, uh, a few days later. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to discuss was mm -hmm. what he said to her a few days later that created this moment of where she started to cry. She started to cry on the stand. What did you think about that? Compelling moment. There have been so many compelling moments in this trial. I did, I did think that the emotion really emphasized the testimony. I'm, I'm certain that'll stick in the juror's mind. And I felt like it was another strand in this rope I've been talking about of circumstantial evidence. That's a pretty strong strand. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Drew? 
I think it was certainly the most powerful thing we saw today. Um, and she, uh, I wanted to say it, she casts more doubt on his alibi. Um, I don't think that's quite accurate as much as it would be accurate to say that she has really shown a bad light on his actions in the immediate aftermath of the murders. Um, and there's some questionable activity going on for sure. Looks suspicious, right? Mm -hmm. Quite. Yeah. Well, and, and to put it into context, if you guys haven't seen or weren't watching the live stream or, or saw my six o'clock package where we kind of go into this as well, I, what it is is that she is, she is saying that he came in to the house the night of the murders and he was only there for like 20 minutes. And she reiterates that. Several, so how long was she there? He there 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. She was very clear about that amount of time. So when she sees Alec Murdoch a few days later, he says to her, um, according to Shelly Smith, I was there for 30 to 40 minutes. And it wasn't a question. And it wasn't really in a moment of why would he say that? <laughs> right. Um, it was just this sort of statement that he made mm -hmm. to her. I was at my mom's for 30 to 40 minutes. The state prosecutor said, well, Shelly, why are you crying? And she said, well, these are good people. I, mm -hmm. I, I respect these people. I saw what was going on in the defense table and I watched that whole exchange. And what I noticed was Alec Murdoch never took his eyes off of Shelly Smith the entire time she was up on that. Wow. And he did not have, he was just, wow. that, that expression was looking and staring straight ahead. There was no other expression on his mm -hmm. face. It was a very, very mm -hmm. strong is what I would have to say. Intimidating. Yes. And the, the other part was the jury because he had to have noticed the jury. We have a, a majority female jury. And when that level of possible intimidation is going on, that affected the way the jury was listening to Shelley Smith. And that's why I think it was the most effective part of her testimony so far. That's a wonderful perspective that we, that I, being where I am in the media room, I simply can't get. So that, and that's why it's so great to have the two of you yeah. in the in the uh, courtroom each day. So you can see things that are not shown on TV and are lost to us as general viewers, which I kind of am, even though I'm there every day, I'm not in there to be able to see this stuff. And that's yeah, but I come running into the media center as soon as possible to say, Drew, 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 did you see that? Did you see that? So we try and we've got it because you also catch a lot of the transcript and what's being said because he can hear everything. Right. Charlie and I were talking about it today. We were trying to hear everything that was going on in that courtroom. And for whatever reason, it was a little muffled. I mean, it was just possibly some accents that we heard, but it was also sometimes it's tricky to hear everything that's in the courtroom. So it really is something that we have to have double team. Yeah, and for a fact, Judge Newman asked Shelley, Miss Smith to speak up. You have to speak up. And so. to say it again. And that takes us to the next thing that Shelly Smith talked about, because it, this was not just the most important part of what she said is changing the alibi. You know, this is very important, that 20 minutes versus mm -hmm. 40 minutes. This is Alex's alibi that they're trying to slowly, like, um, kind of move, take apart a little bit. There was this 
discussion about the blue tarp versus the blue raincoat. We've been waiting for this to come in. We heard it in pretrial that there was a blue raincoat with gunshot residue that SLED has, that it came out of the Alameda house, right? We, so we've heard this. Mm-hmm. Here's what she said she saw, Shelly Smith. Um, it was three days after Randolph Murdoch, the patriarch, passes away. Three days, I think it was three days after, yes, because the tents were still up from the funeral. So here's what she said. Came inside. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, did he have anything or was he holding anything? He had a blue something in his hand. And was he holding it like this? He was holding it like this. Could you tell if there was anything in it or do you know? No, I couldn't tell. Did he say anything when he walked in? No. Okay. What did he do when he walked in? Went upstairs. So he went upstairs. Yeah, maybe I can put this in. Yes, please. It, to me, from a, from a legal standpoint, this is a fascinating moment in this trial because the defense, they are getting daily transcripts. I assume that's available to the state as well, which is very unusual in South Carolina. So they're getting daily transcripts. And so defense attorney Dick Hartputlian has asked Judge Newman to look at these transcripts because he's made a motion hear me out on this because it gets a bit complicated, that no one from the state's perspective, in either the direct examination or cross-examination or redirect, that Ms. Smith did not identify the blue tarp as the raincoat they found in the upstairs of mm-hmm. the Alameda home. And so he's asking the judge to look at the transcript and then to rule to exclude that because the prejudicial effect of that far outweighs its probative value, especially since it hasn't been identified as belonging as the defendant bringing it in. The state's counterargument, boy, this is just some fascinating arguments back and forth, was the the raincoat was found balled up in the closet upstairs. And they're taking the position that that tarp, she used the word tarp, but she really meant it really was the raincoat and so she's misidentifying it as a tarp even though it's a raincoat and i don't know how y'all felt about this i thought it was going to be a johnny cocker moment because in part of the cross-examination uh the jim griffith wanted and it takes a while you have to unpackage this from this evidence package and he was making the point i thought he was going to put it on the defendant because he said it's a large right and everyone i thought he was going to show this this blue tarp or blue raincoat, whatever you want to call it, and it has a very distinctive blue color, as not fitting the defendant. And I must say, I was surprised at the size of that tarp, raincoat, whatever you want to call it, relative from the state's perspective, because it was big. And I think it would fit Alex Murdoch readily, wouldn't you think? Well, I don't know. Okay, so we got a, we've got a prop. we got a prop. So we were trying to look at, like, what does a big raincoat look like? I'm going to drop mm-hmm. my mic for a second. So this is a big raincoat. I don't know how much of this you can see, but this is big. That's Max's, right? Yeah, this is Max's. So we know it's big. Right, exactly. Um, so we got a big raincoat. She says that he was holding it like a baby. Like when they when they were showing it in court, they were showing it, and she was like literally mm. like, he's holding it like this. Um, so we don't know. We still haven't gotten it answered, have we? No, Whether no, no. Not- yeah, and of course I should finish the thought. The evidentiary value from the state, is they're going to have an expert say there's gunshot residue on that raincoat, which is really is a raincoat. But right. They're thinking, they're saying that the witness misidentified it as a tarp. So it's a really interesting 
evidentiary question, legal question. We'll see how the judge rules tomorrow. But regardless, I, I think it's another strand. I didn't see that as a key piece of evidence necessarily. Okay. Just another strand that was another very suspicious activity, particularly the way they showed how everything was hung up, right? All the clothing was hung up, and this mm-hmm. was balled up and stuck in the in the, sort of the back of the closet. I thought that looked, looked suspicious. I have to ask, why would they think that that raincoat would be held on? I mean, if we don't know where any of the clothes are, if, if we follow the state's line of... of thinking mm-hmm. on this none of the clothes were were left um if if he did indeed change clothes if that's where they're going with this um why would he hold on to a raincoat how are they going to argue that he um, held on to a raincoat i'm assuming they can tie it in some way but it was i agree with that and did you catch the the the, the bit about the but his shirt being freshly laundered, the, the smell. This sm- it smelled like. <laughs> I thought that's another interesting little tidbit. I that happened right at the in. end of the day, too. Yes, there was, there was a lot that was floating in. So I think where we stand now, it's, it's clearly a circumstantial evidence case, and they're going to try and tie all these loose ends together. But the circumstances are mounting up. I mean, even if they knock, the defense knocks down this circumstance or that circumstance, I would think their position has got to be that he's a really unlucky person to have been put in his position, and there's yeah. somebody else who committed these murders, and it just really looks bad for him, but he really didn't do it because the mistakes made by the state or the holes in the timeline or the, these sorts of things. So I think that's where we are now, and we'll see how the state goes with, with this evidence. Well, I think it also, and I'm, I want to hear, Drew, I want you to pipe in on this, but I mean, I do think that it's partly because so much evidence is getting let in. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you've got a strong circumstantial evidence when everything gets to go in. I mean, Very they, little has been wow. limited by Judge Newman. I, but I must say, I don't see his rulings as erroneous necessarily. No. I can see why someone could pick on this ruling or that ruling, but I think overall it's it's been correct. It's solid. I feel like. Uh, to Charlie's point, uh, this is what occurred to me a little while ago. Um, with respect to everything that's about to be let in and the building circumstantial evidence we have to frame it in context. We have to frame this evidence that's being let in in context. Why is it being let in? Mm-hmm. The financial evidence, and we're gonna to get to this, this is gonna be a, a main tenet of what we talk about for the rest of this episode. Why is this being let in? It's being let in for the probative value of proving mm-hmm. the state's motive. Mm-hmm. And the motive, to me, has not gotten any less far-fetched with what's been introduced into evidence so far and i I, again i'm we're objective here we're trying to Mm -hmm. not interject Mm -hmm. our personal feelings and pick sides but on its face you have to somewhat until they've put that uh until they've made a few more links connected a few more dots tied a few more things together to, and to the untrained ear, eye, complete neophyte in this situation, being the juror, jurors who are completely objective, they don't, they reasonably must not know a ton about the case coming in and may not be mm-hmm. all that informed on the background of it. From that perspective, I think it's still very much a, a leap mm-hmm. to try and tie yeah. together. Mm-hmm. He murdered his wife and son in cold blood just to keep himself from going to jail and keep from keep someone from discovering that he's been stealing a whole bunch of money. I, 
Well, it, to, to your point, they've caught the yeah, the yeah. dog has chased the car, and the, right. the, the state being the dog in this, the state has chased it down, and now mm -hmm. they've caught the tire, and now what? Yes. Yeah. And to your point, a perfectly mm -hmm. good way to prosecute this case would have been to not introduce motive evidence, since I don't know why he did it, whether he snapped or whether it could be something else, but we can prove that he did, in fact, do it. I mean, they've got the dog kennel video. They've got the timeline, I think, uh, would go in their favor. They've got the cell phone evidence. So it, it, it is a, a, a legitimate point. I think the state feels, though, though, that the probative nature of the evidence in its totality helps their case. Otherwise, I don't think they'd be doing it. So we'll have to see how the jurors feel about it. But that's, I think that's where we're headed, to a fairly well, full evidentiary uh, presentation of the financial crimes. Yeah, and, it, I mean, how much is the jury going to deal with that? And how much, how, how yeah. well are they going to deal with that much? I and mean, we know there's 99 financial charges mm -hmm. against Alec. Um, and this is where we start seeing like the real right, right. thought Do process right. behind the state because mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. your point, mm -hmm. okay, well, you get to get everything in. It's sort of a, a curse and a, and, a, and a privilege a little bit. And then what do you do with that? How does that yes, work? Yes, I think yes. um, the judge, I was just looking for it, and it said it, it is needed. The reason he decided to allow all of these, potentially all of these charges to be brought into evidence from Gloria Satterfield's son's, um, uh, the lawsuit and um, the money that was, you know, allegedly stolen, what he's, he's admitted to, to, <laughs> to taking, right? Um, mm -hmm. 4.3 million all the way through the bank all the way through um, the, the bank issues that we've mm -hmm. heard about. I mean, mm -hmm. there's just so much. I, the judge says it's needed to aid jury in context of how the crime occurred. And um, I find it so intimately connected and explanatory. I think it is essential to complete this. Um, in other words, and and... And there's no reason to fragmentize yeah, yeah, let's, uh, the events. Yeah. And I thought that was so interesting mm -hmm. that he said, look, we can't parse this out. We can't, mm -hmm. we can't, I can't tell you what should be included. Right. You tell me right. how you want to prosecute this case. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And yeah. Just to take it through the, maybe the legal steps, the judge was, he announced, he decided mm -hmm. whether it was relevant or not first under, you know, the, our standards of relevancy. Then he said, well, if it's relevant, is there an exception And the exception that he relies on mostly is the exception for motive evidence. And they did talk about res gestae, which I think... Uh, Tell me about res gestae. That's a... I think I it's Latin for things done. And it's, okay. it's, a, it's, it's typically used more in a present sense of things happening right around the time of the crime. And so I think okay. what he's thinking and why he wants to add as a, an additional gr ground is that he was confronted by the CFO of the law firm that day. Okay. And so it was going through his head. So I think he has that in an additional ground. I would note that the state of South Carolina in its motion never used that as a grounds for admissibility. They relied okay. upon a motive for for B, it's called. But what was then done with the jury, and I think this is really important, the there was a limiting instruction that both sides agreed upon that was given to the jury. And they are not to consider this evidence to to prove or disprove the good character or bad character of Alec Murdoch, and are not to use this evidence to try to prove he has a propensity, that is a, a predisposition or some sort of bent towards violence. They're only to use it for motive. So that's the limitation. But I must say, having done a lot of trial work, a lot of trial work, 
That's really hard to do. When you start hearing, when they start hearing all this really bad, we've talked a lot about what's worse. I mean, there's so, it, it, there's so many bad acts by this defendant. It's going to be really hard for a juror, even if they're as fair-minded as they can possibly be, not to sort of cross the line a little bit in their head. So let's hope, and I think they will, once instructed, they will only use it to prove motive and and only that. But that is a challenge for a juror. Do you foresee them, Charlie, even still with the judge's ruling, do you foresee any chance of some of this testimony or some people's individual testimony being left out? Uh, I do. To, uh, I, I, I think what I expect what they'll do is is to step back from this, to your point. They've caught the bus. They can put in whatever they want to do. And I, I think if they're smart, and again, I'm maybe second-guessing what they may not do, but this is what I would do. I would really look at what I want to accomplish with all this evidence because we get a time problem. We also have an impact problem. A lot of this can be dry on the financial side. So they've got some really good witnesses, and I would put those witnesses up only and keep it narrow and see how the defense reacts. I would think the defense would agree to to, to some of this going in fairly quickly and fairly rapidly. I did hear from a very reliable state source that they do not expect this to extend the trial by weeks and weeks, but maybe a matter of days. So I think that is more in line with what I think they ought to do. Good. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a really valid point. I mean, we mm -hmm. even heard that a juror has already come to the judge and said, mm -hmm. I... I have allotted three weeks for this because this is what I've been told right. over and over again. This is what it was going to take to get this case done. Um, to say that we're now going to allow 99 crime or 99 charges to right. come in that right. have not even been tried yet concerned a juror or two and probably oh. a few people that were, oh, yeah. who were covering They could lose it, right? jobs as a result, right? I mean, Absolutely. I'm sure the employers and I think we have protections under our laws not to lose jobs as a result, but as a practical matter, it's a huge income hit, wouldn't you think, for many potential jurors? Well, many you only jurors. get two weeks off. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you only get two weeks for jury, uh, maybe even less for some jobs, but I think it's somewhere around there. I, I Don't quote me, but I think it's somewhere like that. You don't get... Um, you don't get mm -hmm. an unlimited amount of time off. But let's get to one of the witnesses. Um, we had that, 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 this was, this was the second to the last, no, it was one of the last uh, financial charges. This is one of the last witnesses oh, we've had. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. In yeah. order wow. to try yes. and decide whether or not yes. these wow. financial yes. um, mm -hmm. allegations were going to be let in. And it was Mark Tinsley. He's the Beach family attorney. He's, worked in the same circles for a long time with Alec Murdoch. So he knew him, he thought he knew him. Mm -hmm. And that is the point of this clip. Let's listen. Did you believe that that was accurate? It couldn't been. All right, and why did you not believe that that was accurate? Well, uh, when you practice law, uh, not necessarily with, uh, it, it meaning in the same case, but, but when you go to a roster meeting, uh, if there were 50 cases on the roster in Hampton, Alec may have had 50 or 60 of those percent of those cases. And so they're actively being settled. Uh, I know that he's actively making money and you just can't possibly be broke uh, if you're making money, not the way he was making money. And then beyond that, I'm, I mean, my clients have known Alec uh, and his family forever. and so their perspective is that there's generational wealth as well. 
Well, and, and he's speaking of the Beach family, and they were in, mm-hmm. uh, they lost their daughter, Mallory mm-hmm. Beach, in this fatal boat crash where allegedly Paul Murdoch was behind the wheel, driving under the influence, crashed it into, um, under a bridge, and Mallory, of course, died. Um, so this is what, this was sort of the watershed moment, um, according to, I think that that's what they're sort of setting up is this boat case really unlocked an opportunity for all of these alleged crimes to, to be exposed. And that was the, the pressure that Alec Murdoch was under. So how effective was Mark Tinsley in getting across his point? I thought extremely effective in terms of how he, by the way, this, this was in camera, not in front of the jury. Right. It's to determine exactly. whether. Still deciding whether or not. Clear and convincing evidence of, of these financial crimes that could be, and res gesta, I think, that as well. And so it's coming in. The state can use them as, as, the, as they will, uh, as they want to. One interesting point that, I don't know if I'm going to pick this up, but, you know, we had uh, f- um, the other attorney, Phil, what's Phil's last name? Phil Barber. Barber. Phil Barber cross-examining. I think maybe part of the reason for that, that um, Dick Harputlin wasn't involved with it, because he did testify that when Alec confronted him. Mm, Tinsley. Uh, tried to, uh, confronted uh, Attorney Tinsley about going after his personal wealth. To me, it was fascinating, because there's a group called the South Carolina Association uh, for Justice in South Carolina. Alec Murdoch was the president of that, I believe, 2015, 2016, meet annually in uh, Hilton Head. But he said, I think I caught this correctly, this confrontation from Alec Murdoch to Laura Tinsley occurred at a fundraiser, he testified, either for Senator Harputlian or Senator Graham. Mm. And I thought that was just a fascinating bit of, I don't know, would you call it small world South Carolina again? Because yeah. here you have yeah. that yeah, you happening. Yeah, you got Dick Harpootlian defending uh, Alec Murdoch. Yeah, and so, um, uh, but anyway, get back to your, 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 your point relative to how he testified. Uh, I thought he did well. I thought that he'd be a dangerous witness in front of the jury. And one thing I did learn from him that I hadn't heard before is that he said that his case relative to going after defendant Murdoch individually for money, he thought it lost value mm-hmm. because after the murders, he became so sympathetic that he mm-hmm. would have settled that case for what had been offered earlier, which I, I hadn't heard, but that Extraordinary was Extraordinary piece to come in for the motivation mm-hmm. and the motive of the, Another possible of motive. the murders. Another possible motive. And it was, it's a direct link, mm-hmm. right? That's like the first time we've actually heard them connect the dots like that. So I, the first time I caught them that was a new one thoughts. for me because yeah. I always thought it was he was under pressure from the law firm confronted by the CFO. But now we have this twist from uh, from the, from the plaintiff's attorney. I, I think it would not be unfair to call it a linchpin uh, in all of this. Mm. And I know I made my point uh, a bit earlier ago about they've still got a, a few bridges to cross, right? Mm-hmm. With, right. With making the connection and making it stick with this this very daunting motive that the state has chosen to go after to prove. But at the same time, I think with the addition of Mark Tinsley today, if once that once a jury hears that, I think it's going to become a lot easier for them to digest. Because uh, let's be honest, Tinsley, I, to a man uh, in the media room, uh, what I've seen on social media in just our discussions, right, that we've had mm-hmm. here, Tinsley came off very, very well 
today, did he not? Yeah. Uh, it, on the ball, had his had all his ducks in a row, whatever whatever saying you want to apply to mm-hmm. that. He knew his stuff, and he was ready, and he refused to be kicked off course by this attorney for the defense, Phil Barber. He he, I think he tried to make the point, Charlie. Uh, you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was saying that Barber was trying to argue matters of law and. I think what's become abundantly clear in all, in all of this, and maybe this isn't obvious to everybody, sometimes matters of law aren't. Oh, very well said. He's, he was telling us what was really going on, that, that, the, that the defense attorney, Mr. Shiller, who's since passed, I until I knew him, terrific person, terrific lawyer, but that he was getting this financial information from Alec Murdoch and was going to have some sort of uh, communication with him relative to that, even though the order itself from Judge Hall didn't necessarily... Uh, say that specifically. Mm-hmm. So he just came across like you weren't there. This is what was going on, and very effective witness. And so, I, I, if I'm prosecuting on behalf of the state, I'd use him as one of my main witnesses. Uh, probably Tony Satterfield, and then probably the bank lady would be great. The CFO. Mm-hmm. So who else would be good? Well, I, I think we're we're hearing their their greatest hits right now for mm-hmm. the state. We're we're getting a little preview, like we have in our pretrial motions. I mm-hmm. mean, I would argue that they're kind of trying trying this out, and so far we haven't seen one necessarily fail for the no. state. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't they do it again? Like mm-hmm. why wouldn't they put Tony Satterfield up on the stand and? Um, Mark Tinsley and Jeannie yeah, Second. Yeah, Why and not use yeah, those use people that we've already... Right. And don't use the other 95 or whatever left persons that could, could possibly there's a, testify. There's a few, there's a few hard, hard ones. Might to, be good. I mean, I think about like Tommy Moore, who we talked to, the state highway patrol mm-hmm. trooper, who also um, uh, Alec Murdoch is accused of, of stealing money. Um, so, you know, he's a state highway patrol trooper who was injured, broke his neck in an accident. Sound like another good one. Golly, you can, uh, you can mean, find out more about that case if you go back into our back episodes, our, that's uh, right. our archives. Uh, in one of our previous episodes, we, we have a whole... We uh, did the first interview with Tommy Moore. We did the exclusive right? interview, wow. and that's in our podcast. You can listen to the whole thing with Tommy Moore. But, um, and he... He had he was referred to as most of these cases. He was just referred to the Murdoch name because they were the ones that were going to take care of him. I mean, that's the way he understood it. And it's the question is how many of these very on the surface sympathetic characters, um, you know, mm-hmm. how many are they going to let in? Because we got we got more than ninety nine. Well, we got more. We got those are those are bundled. Yeah. So I think a fair statement is Judge Newman's let them try the cases they see fit. It's no limitations, right, on the financial crimes that mm-hmm. I heard today. And so the state has to use their judgment as to how to present this because it is true you could get off track with this with too much, but probably too little would be a mistake. And so it'll be interesting to see how they balance all this. And, you know, as we move on with this, there are obviously lots of technical witnesses we had we had a one technical witness that was necessary in the chain of custody today. Mm-hmm. So they probably have lots of others like that. But this testimony is going to be riveting for this jury. I am convinced. I can't wait to see when they have the first one go on, on these type of crimes. Say, it finally feels like our, our trial within a trial is starting to just turn mm-hmm. into one big trial. <laughs> so, so what happens tomorrow? Tuesday. Wow. Well, what do we do? Get a ruling on on the on the their motion to suppress the tarp slash um, raincoat. raincoat, 
and then which is they, it. Yeah. yeah, they. I did. I thought I heard Creighton Waters say that that the evidence relative to the financial crimes would be tomorrow. Some of that would be tomorrow. Okay. And so we'll see where all this goes. And you know, they have. There's some younger men in the courtroom. Did you notice that today? I don't know if you saw them or not, but yeah. we had the one associate of um, of, of uh, Paul Murdoch testify. That's right. And so I'm assuming some of those others would testify. Well, he's, they seem to be testifying relative to his habits, right? Using the cell phone, mm -hmm. where he went typically with the dogs, and the, mm -hmm. it, we had dog identification as well, right? Yeah, so that, we got all the dogs. And that's names. on. Yeah, that was on the tape. I, the dogs. I, I think it could be easily said that his name was William McElveen. I think it could be easily misconstrued to think that he was kind of a throwaway, irrelevant mm -hmm. witness, but not in the, if, if you're following what the state is trying to do right. in, the, in the mountain of, of circumstantial evidence yes. that they're trying to build. Uh, but to your point, uh, several young men in the courtroom, and I caught this as they were walking out uh, at, at adjournment today, mm -hmm. Buster had his back to the camera and was looking at the exit door. Alec had his back to the camera and was looking at the exit door. And you could see several of those young men looking back to where Alec was sitting, where Buster had been sitting and, you know, waving goodbye mm -hmm. and making gestures. And I, I even heard, uh, I didn't catch this personally, but I've, I was told by someone else who was in the courtroom with a good vantage point that um, apparently uh, McElveen made some sort of gesture over to where the Murdochs were sitting as he was leaving the stand today or something. I, I, I didn't, again, I didn't see that with my own eyes. But, yeah, there, there was... There was some communication going on between yeah, them. Yeah, there was a sense of right. camaraderie. Right, and they came in together and left together, so I'm assuming they'll be testifying tomorrow. Yeah, and I just don't think we can underestimate, even like, um, even just tying that back to Mallory Beach's family saying mm -hmm. what, what Tinsley said on the stand, what, the, the, oh. the bite that we just heard. Mm -hmm. They knew the Murdochs. They, their daughter mm -hmm. was on the boat with Paul Murdoch. They right. were all really good friends. Right. This was a very close circle of friends um, that has been fatally interrupted mm -hmm. forever. Uh, and it, it, I think they're all grieving in their own way. Right. And I think right. we're seeing a lot of that just from my perspective, like, I think they all are saying their goodbyes in different ways. Yeah, and I thought that was very touching when uh, Mark Tinsley testified about, I guess it was Mallory's mother being on the bridge for like oh, a week, it, waiting yes. for the body to surface or to be found. Can you and, imagine? Well, and uh, what I heard was right before that, too, when she was trying to get on that bridge mm -hmm. to see what mm -hmm. was going on with, the, this was the early days of the, fatal boat crash they didn't know where Mallory was they didn't know where her body was and she's trying to get on the bridge and she says that basically the law enforcement officers waved Alex's uh, parents on is that what I heard or, no, or heard well, Alex if, on? if I'm not mistaken someone please correct me um, but what I heard there was Mallory's mom was trying to get down to the scene of the boat crash. Right. This was in the immediate aftermath. Right. right. Mallory's mom was trying to get down there and they wouldn't let her down. Right. And then here comes Randolph Murdoch. It was Randolph, Randolph right. Randolph, Alex. Oh, that Alex's reminds father, me. Yeah. And yeah. Maggie. Yeah. Is and, they, and they jammed they allowed, them right through. Yeah. Yeah. They just, they just pushed yeah. them. And, and she never forgot that. That's the way Mark yeah. Tinsley put it across was well, she was very you? slighted by right, that. Yeah. And that probably was a catalyst according to Tinsley, of why they decided, nah, 
we're not, this isn't getting, this isn't getting settled for whatever the insurance company, they, they wanted this to be a personal responsibility Mm -hmm. for what just happened, because that was just once again, a showing of the Murdoch power and she didn't like it. And we didn't even mention, we didn't even mention exactly what happened in this confrontation in Tinsley's words, they're at the trial trial association. Alec sees him from across the room and comes up to him. Bo, what's going on with this? You, you really going to go after me? Yes. Uh, Bo, uh, for those of you, uh, Charlie, you help me out on this one. <laughs> if you're not from South Carolina. In, uh, hey, Bo. Uh, That's a term of endearment slash yeah. not so endearment, depending um, on the context. Bo can mean a lot of things, but <laughs> yeah, 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 it's yeah. typically, yeah. hey, Bo, what's going on? You, yeah. you, it's like, uh, it's like uh, I yeah. know you. An, uh, yeah. a, a greeting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, so much has happened. I forgot another key legal point. Ronnie Crosby, right? We had the. Wow. I mean, think so much happens here. I must, uh, and and it is again a privilege for me to be in that courtroom because it is an historic trial. But to show you how much happens, Ronnie Crosby, law partner of Alec Murdoch, and the 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 state was worried about whether or not the. The information that he obviously is going to testify to, right, at John Marvin's home, January tenth, maybe two or three right days. Right before that, the law enforcement the interview with him, interview with Alec Murdoch. Yeah. So Ronnie Crosby, his former law partner. Right, and so defense attorney Jim Griffith was trying to get the judge to rule that it was attorney-client privileged because he was there, operating potentially as a lawyer for the defense for Alec Murdoch. And it became pretty clear from his testimony that he, he really wasn't. So it's right. not going to be a privilege, and I think he's going to be allowed to testify. And is and, uh, We're going to be allowed to hear the phone call. We're going to be able to, allow to, to hear what happened, right? Right. And I'm assuming he's going to— these guys. I'm assuming Alec Murdoch would have given the same version that he's been given thus far, that he was never near the kennels. and would Just be, digging that hole a little deeper. Mm-hmm. And, and he was there with this team of lots of attorneys and one or two non-attorneys. And so that was a fascinating uh, vignette for me, actually, that that the attorney-client privilege sort of raised its head potentially, and the state was being very careful to have a ruling on that. And I think once after the testimony, it has become a non-issue, I believe. So, again, another. So there, there we have it. Yeah, so that was one more thing. And it sounds like we're jumping around. We're not really. No. They literally were tackling all of these things today. It was almost like they were just trying to get this all sorted out. So we know the financial crimes are going in. We know that um, we've got questions about this blue tarp, blue raincoat. And now we know that there's a conversation that was had um, before the second interview with law enforcement, with Alec Murdoch, um, where mm-hmm. all of his buddies from the, the law firm and his family were all, you know, a lot of them were present. Looks like whatever was said during that is going to be hurt again. So we have a lot to watch tomorrow, and um, we are into week three of the Alec Murdoch's double murder trial. Stay with us. We will have more on this. And uh, anything to add before we go? Uh, just that going forward, um, we're going to try and start answering some of your questions. Yes. We are, we are doing this live, uh, you know, if... if for the podcast itself, uh, if you want to submit questions, send us a DM or comment yeah. on what we're doing on, on all three social social media channels right now. 
it's uh well i should say four it's different on tiktok i'll let you speak <laughs> let you speak to what tiktok yeah. is i i don't i don't do tiktok but uh unsolved sc pod unsolved sc pod at unsolved sc pod facebook twitter and instagram yeah That's and you where can we're... always shoot any of us up for for a dm or something and we'll we'll try and um get it answered on the podcast and as well also for since we're doing this on facebook live we're doing the live streams we're doing twitter live we're doing youtube live for all of this post a comment there i'm reading some of your comments on youtube as we speak uh and just generally looking through those going forward we are going to start trying to answer more of your questions so if you have something reach out to us tag us on social media i'm my name at drew trip charlie is at charlie condon and is at and t emerson and t emerson so yeah help us out perfect and if you are enjoying the daily podcast when you hear it on audio if you're listening to this on your podcast platforms once again please uh rate it review it hopefully with five stars it will only uh allow more people to find us easier um so um more easily so uh be we would be love sure it to if do you that shared. for sure yeah, for sure uh so we'll see you tomorrow thanks so much good night